in 3D. Well, we are celebrating our eighth year of doing this, and you're probably wondering why, Michael. Why are you doing this? That's <laughs> <laughs> your uh, <laughs> that's, the, that's the clip at the beginning of the episode. Why, why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcast. And with that familiar music, you're listening to your Kiss Audio Fanzine, the podcast. And today... We're going to be taking a look back to the year 1998, the birth of KISS Online, and what would set the stage for Psycho Circus. That's right, we're going to be discussing a long-awaited album, a much-requested album discussion by you folks. So over the next few episodes, it's all Psycho Circus all the time. But first, joining me is superfan Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to Podcast, Andrew. Thank you, Ken. It's uh, it's an honor to be here. I want to thank you for everything you do for the show, and you really do a lot. You do a lot of stuff as far as uh, tweeting and texting and Facebooking and keeping momentum going, and I cannot thank you enough for all you've done for us as a show, and not only just for the podcast, but for people like Decibel Geek and The Kiss Room and so many other great podcasts that are out there we want to thank you for a having great taste and uh <laughs> b for helping us out and always being there to to uh to lend an ear and everything that you do for the shows well it's like um as, as i've said it's the least i can do you know podcasts are really you know all i listen to uh nowadays and Kiss is, uh, you know, one of my top five favorite bands of all time, and you know, I I, I can't get enough of your guys' uh, dis- discussions about them, and particularly your uh, your roundtable discussions about each of the albums. Well, you've been there for a lot of our shows, and I know you went checked out the back catalog. You've been listening since 2011 or so. Wow, eight years. <laughs> that's yeah, a lot that's of, amazing. That that's a lot I mean, of yammering that you're having to deal with so god bless you thank you my wife just said yeah she <laughs> <laughs> so andrew do you have a favorite podcast episode or moment you know i would say that my favorite podcast episodes i can't really pick just one i can't pick just one of anything mm-hmm. that i you know is a favorite of mine and podcast is my favorite kiss podcast i guess i should mention that now i would say that my favorite podcast episodes are the uh, the round table discussions about the uh, the all of the albums mm-hmm. the fact that you've got you know four or five even six uh, different people on a round table giving you know their unique points of view on each song on each album i i mean i think it's a great concept and i mean that's those are the ones that i uh, enjoy the most excellent you know there are a lot of people that say that the podcast is a kiss love fest or something like that like we all have the same opinion and to me that just you know what you've just said there shows that that is not the case and and I think that the disagreements, you know, on you know, with regard to the songs on the albums, you know, make for even better uh, podcast episodes. I think that the fact that you know one person loves a song, another person hates it, and you know that back and forth, I think that's I think it's great. I know you mentioned to me several times that 
not Gene is your favorite podcast character, if you will. My and my favorite Gene Simmons impersonation. Wow, gee, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. That is very cool. Uh, is there something you'd like G- uh, not Gene to say for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I'd like? I'd like for not Gene Simmons to uh, leave a an outgoing answering machine machine message for me. Okay, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. You've reached the phone of Andrew Jacobs. He's a powerful and attractive man. This is not Gene Simmons of the Rock Group Kiss telling you to leave a message. Thank you. Great. So there you go. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and maybe we'll have you on again. But I just really wanted to take some time as we're celebrating our eighth year anniversary to thank you for being one of the number one fans out there. And I know that there are a lot of guys in podcast land that are going to say, I'm the number one fan, and we just appreciate all of you out there. I just happened to run into Andrew today, so very cool. Well, thank you very much, and we will talk to you again, and now on with the rest of the show. Thank you. Hi, this is Andrew Jacobs, and you're listening to my favorite KISS podcast, Podkissed. You sweet talker, you. <laughs> And now, for something very cool, this next bit was an idea that I had, and I got a hold of our good friend Ghosty Timmer, who is also known as David Wills. He is a voice actor who's done a lot of great stuff. He's been on Sirius Satellite. He's even done some voice work on some very cool things that you would know, but one of the things that's the coolest is that he actually played Peter Chris on an episode of MTV's Celebrity Deathmatch. We kind of have a member of KISS doing this bit, but he does the voice of both Bugs and Daffy as we take a look at Daffy Duck recording Beth. Me, you ready, Daffy? Ready when you are, Mr. Ethren. Me, this time, try to put some emotion into it. Oh, so it's the motion you want, eh? Well, brother, it's the motion you're gonna get. Roll the tape! This'll be a brilliant addition to the Duck Destroyer album. Beth, I hear you calling, but I can't come home right now. Me and the boys are playing, and we just can't find the sound. Just a few more hours, and I'll be right home to you. I think I hear them calling. Oh, Beth, what can I do? Beth, what can I do? You say you feel so empty that our house just ain't a home. And I'm always somewhere else And you're always there alone Just a few more hours And I'll be right home to you I think I hear them calling Oh, Beth, what can I do? Oh, Beth, what can I do?
incantation do you think you're doing? It's time for my drum solo. Uh-uh. No drum solo. No drum solo? But I'm the cat duck! The fans expect the drum solo! You can be replaced, Daffy. Oh, don't bother. I'm gonna quit right after the Shandy video anyway. Can we get back to the song, please? Spoil sport. <laughs> Beth, I know you're lonely, and I hope you'll be alright. Cause me and the boys will be playing all Well, how was that? You, sir, are a powerful and attractive duck. And you're despicable. So what'd you think of that, Candy? <laughs> it cracked me up big time. Yeah, it's That's, funny. It was really funny, but I heard it in the kiss room. And I had my son sleeping next to me, and I'm trying to keep quiet, but deep down I was killing myself laughing, because that was just the funniest damn thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Was, well, oh my gosh. Well, as you know, this episode is a look back on 1998 yeah. and Psycho Circus and what was going on at the time. So you have a question for us today. I do. Okay, Kiss Army, we want to know, what do you think Kiss should have done with the Psycho Circus album? Should they have been really honest with the fans as to it not being an authentic Kiss reunion album, or should they just have left it as is? What do you guys think? So we're going to put a poll up. And we all know we love poles, right? <laughs> anyway, there's the North Pole. Anyway, but uh, and then there's and then there's the Love Gun Pole. But that, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so we're going to put up up on our Facebook page, and we just believe two options: yes, they should have let us know and been forthcoming, or no, it doesn't really matter to me. So we will mention the results on the next episode. Thanks for stopping by, Candy. No problem, anytime. And now on with the rest of the show. And here we are. Welcome to Podkist. I'm Ken Mills. I'm joined by the ever effervescent Gary Schaller. Effervescing, baby. And Andrew Scambetti. Hey, good to be here. And Michael Bramfold. A powerful and attractive man, I must say. A yeah. face is for radio. <laughs> yes. It's true. I've met you in person, and it's true. You are a man. Hey, Gene even <laughs> said that to me. He did. So it's yeah. one thing to hear, you know, the powerful, attractive man, but when Gene Simmons actually says that to you. Yeah, well, you know, let's be honest. He says it to every every man he meets. So right. I don't, I'm not quite sure it's a huge, unique honor. Well, Michael, I think you're a powerful, attractive man. <laughs> so You know, you I, I said that to Gene once, and Gene looked at me like stone-faced, serious, and he goes, can't you come up with something original? <laughs> Like, 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 that's a big word, like gymnasium. Exactly. <laughs> we have what we feel is an interesting topic. We're discussing Psycho Circus. We're not going to do the album track by track right now. We're going to kind of just talk about the times and what we expected of a new album and what it was like to be around and where we all were individually, the four of us. Andrew, how old were you when Psycho Circus came out? And tell us your Psycho Circus story. 
Well, I, I was 13 when Psycho Circus came out, and this was the very first Kiss album that I had followed news up to the day when it was coming out. Uh, the one, the very first album that I bought the first day it came out, and you know, it, it was a, it was weird for me because I you know all you guys here on tape with us, and even probably most of us listening, probably had so many other Kiss albums before this one came out, but this was the first one for me because I'm still a, a new Kiss fan. I was still a young Kiss fan, so. I was super excited about this album, and basically it had set my Kiss Phantom in overdrive. I had just gotten on the internet probably, I don't know, six or eight months prior to that, so I'm still reading up on Kiss Asylum, trying to you know listen to the bad quality real player clips uh-huh. uh, of the album, looking forward to the Mad TV show, looking forward to Millennium, looking forward to all this stuff, because for a 13-year-old kid, this, this was my Paul Lind Halloween special. You know, I know some of you guys on here were old enough to see Paul Lynn or even old enough to, you know, see Kiss Meets the Phantom or any of those other Halloween kissing. This was the first thing for me. This was really, really special to me. Gary? You're not a real Kiss fan. <laughs> <laughs> My age has nothing to do with it. You know, I had known about Kiss before the reunion tour and I had, I actually had a Good Times VHS copy of Kiss Meets the Phantom in the Park and that was my introduction. So when the reunion tour happened, I was like, I didn't know they had stopped wearing makeup because I was like 10 years old at the time. Tell that I know. So when the reunion happened, I thought this was going to be the last time I was going to see them. And then when they announced Psycho Circus and they were going to come back to town and all this stuff, I was just, I was flipping out. It was the greatest thing in the world. Andrew, I hate you for many reasons. And a newer one is because of how much younger you are than me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just going to come up at some point. So. And, uh, and, and how naive he was to the world of Kiss back then to think they wouldn't have continued to milk it. Oh, yeah. my God. And I, I thought to myself, <laughs> like, I was reading those official Kiss magazines and I saw them all hanging out with each other. I'm like, oh, my God, they're friends again. This is so cool. I can't wait. <laughs> they're going to be around forever. Oh, my God, Peter Chris, he's the, he's the best. You know, we really have the Beatles to blame for that. Because what? if you watch, like, Hard Day's Night or, more importantly, Help, where they literally lived together in a house with four different colored doors looks like and four entrances pit. and and they have and they have they, they all live in one large huge super room well, so, i thought they were all sleeping on the couch from kiss me the fan of the park i thought like no. that's how they live that would be the most uncomfortable couch ever <laughs> in the world the big mushy have... the big mushy snake couch you mean yes yeah that, that couch because like they could all fit on that because i was like oh they're tall so they need a big couch like that yeah, I would have I to pay a servant to come in and fix that thing up every once in a while. <laughs> Just put it back together. I was watching a movie, it became unraveled. But, uh, <laughs> Gary, where were you when Psycho Circus came out? Tell us your story. Uh, yeah, all right, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a little bit of, it's, it's a, I'm, I'm telling a story for two. That doesn't mean I'm pregnant, but, um, it does mean that I gotta. I have to represent my brother here a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. He wishes he could have been involved in this, but he just got back from overseas uh, travel. He was 11 when this record came out. I was so younger than me. <laughs> right, 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 right. And I, well, and and so I was. Uh, I don't know. I was 22, 23. Um, I was already such a huge Kiss fan, and I had been since I was five. And the reunion was, you know, it was a big dream come true. It was also a little bit of a mixed bag because I loved the. Revenge uh, era lineup and the music they were making. I'd already heard. Well, I guess we'd all already heard um, Carnival of Souls, but I'd heard the bootleg of Carnival of Souls and I loved it. I thought it was a cool direction. The reunion was really satisfying. At the same time, it it for me kind of instilled some concerns about, gee, how are they going to make a new record? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm with Andrew. I really did buy into. I did think 
they're all getting along, everything's great. I was 24, I, I guess we, we see what we want to see and that's what I wanted to see. Also, I don't, I don't think it's in, entirely black and white. I don't think any four people over a span of several years hate each other every second, um, particularly when they're, they're in such close quarters doing the same job day in, day out with such a shared history. So I think there was a lot of camaraderie at the same time as there was tremendous tension. Maybe I'm wrong. But I was incredibly excited for Psycho Circus. Uh, it was, m much like Andrew said, this was my opportunity to have um, you know, an all-originals uh, KISS record. Um, it was my opportunity to live through something that the fans who were there in the 70s got to experience firsthand. And we'll talk more about, I guess, the, the Halloween, the TV specials, the tour. You know, all, all in all, it was a great time. I did get to hear the album before it came out. I was actively involved on the internet. I was reading the rumors about who played what, and that did sully it for me because the first time I heard it, I knew it wasn't those four guys. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael, tell us your story. You have a very unique position in all of this. You're, the one side, you're just a fan, and then next thing you know, you're working with the band. So what was it like for you around this time? Yeah, so I was about years old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was just, 34. Just, just add, add my age and Gary's age together. And you got exactly. I, 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 was, uh, I was 34 years old. Um, living in Chicago, um, had a full-time gig working for Montgomery Wards, who's long gone, but I was uh -huh. managing their advertising network, and I was and I was um, <laughs> maintaining my fan website, Kiss Otaku, at the time. I had only launched that three years earlier, so uh -huh. um, you know, Psycho Circus is announced; it's coming out. One of the big things that I remember that I did purposely around that time was I decided on my website not to release all of the details of the album as they were being leaked out. Hmm. Kiss Asylum was posting everything, every little rumor of who co-wrote song titles and lyrics and, you know, everything that, that, that could come out. And I mm -hmm. decided I didn't want to do that because I, as a fan, loved that excitement of the very first moment of going to a record store buying the album for that very first time and going wow look at the song titles wow look at the cover look at all of it listening to it for the first time and i wanted to try and keep that album mystique so i on purpose avoided anything that wasn't an official mercury records kiss press release about the album Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, as, as a fan, I was just excited that there was another KISS record. Uh, for, for, for me, as a KISS fan since 1976, um, I've been through all of the incarnations of the band, the ups, the downs, the good albums, the bad albums, you name it. But it, none of it really mattered because I was always like, oh my God, it's another KISS record. Mm -hmm. That does not suck. You know, I don't care if it's Dynasty, Unmasked, Elder, whatever. You know, I may not like the music, but it was another Kiss record. And how could I not be excited that there was more Kiss music coming out, that mm -hmm. Kiss was still doing something? So Psycho Circus was just another one of those where it's like, wow, they're going to do more music. Um, and I'll admit up front, I'm not a musician, never played uh, in a band, don't play an instrument. 
I couldn't tell you listening to one album to another who was playing on it. Never. You know, I just don't, I think I'm like a, I'd like to think the majority of bands are probably like that. We don't have musically trained ears that I could sit here and go, that's Peter Chris's drumming, that's Kevin Valentine's drumming, that's Eric Singer's drumming. What about like lead guitar style? I mean, you know, at the time when Creatures came out, you know, I certainly couldn't I tell the difference. I thought that was Ace. Right, but I, now listening back, do you like, are you able to sort of, can you listen and say like, well, you know, those are things Bruce Kulick's fingers can do, those are things that Ace's fingers can do? Quite honestly, no. Not unless I really sat down and paid a lot of attention. And see, I'm also not the type of fan who dissected everything. Musically. Got it. Right on. Right. So, so <clears throat> you know, I I don't pay that close attention. I mean, I, I I've said it so many times. It's like I remember on Creatures of the Night, all of a sudden there's this guy in different makeup, and I'll tell you, honest to God, I just thought Ace changed his makeup. <laughs> right. Oh. I didn't know that was a completely new guy. I just thought, oh, without any other information coming in for you to sit there and analyze, what is the logical, simple answer? Oh, for some reason, I guess Ace must have changed his makeup. I've heard nothing that Ace had left the band. You know, he's on the cover of Creatures of the Night. All of a sudden, there's this new guy. You're like, wait a second, is that Ace? Is that not? So, you know, I'm, I'm of that style of fan that I don't dissect everything to that that level and, and there's nothing wrong that if you do that but you know there's a lot of fans that don't care other than it's Kiss right, so right. That, that's kind of where I where I fall so 98 things really picked up for my website Kissotaku I'd had some conversations and done some work with um, Gene prior to officially starting with them um, I worked with him related to the Kistry 2 mm. coffee table book that came out. And he had approached me and said, hey, Mike, would you um, kind of spearhead our internet efforts on Kistry 2 and put the word out there and have fans send you photos and then you send them to me? And, you know, we worked out a, a business or relationship there. And, yeah, I worked with him for a number of months, him and Tommy, mm -hmm. on that. And, uh, you know, I remember it was August of 98 and I came home from work and there was a voicemail message the, the light on the, the the voicemail was flashing you know this is back so this is this is back when you had tape machines connected <laughs> yes I was just gonna say you had to rewind the tape before you listen to the message exactly so I you know I hit it and it's like this is Gene Simmons. Mike, I've got a business proposition I'd like to discuss with you. Please give me a call as soon as, you're as, soon as you can. A stiff I, one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A stiff proposition. Um, and I knew it was Gene. Again, I'd spoken to him before. I mean, a lot of times when I'll tell people that story, they're like, oh, I'm sure you must have just thought that was a friend of yours calling to give you a hard time. I'm like, no, I knew it was Gene. Um, you know, I knew... I knew his voice. I knew the way he always leaves messages. He always says, this is Gene Simmons of Kiss. It's sort mm -hmm. of like, yeah, you don't have to tell me who you're working with. Yeah, I know you're with Kiss. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. What always kills me, Mike, is when he not only goes the distance to say, this is Gene Simmons of Kiss, but he'll say, this is Gene Simmons of the rock group Kiss. <laughs> you know, like there's a medical... Uh, 
team right, right. or a, a lawyer team out yeah, there there's, there's named a Kiss. Kiss. There's a different Kiss with Gene Simmons in it. Yes. Is that actress Gene Simmons. <laughs> it, it's but kind of like... He, been, she's been dead longer than Kiss has been around. So, you know, I call him back. He basically says, uh, you know, what are you doing for a, for a job right now? Um, you know, we're going to be launching a website. And uh, would you be interested in it? I said, yeah, of course I'd be interested in it, but I have a job. It has benefits. You know, I'm not, I, I, I got to get paid to do this fairly. And he basically said, you know, if you're interested, here's the phone number of our manager, Doc McGee. Give him a call and work it out. And, and I remember one of the last things he said was, um, you know, I can't promise you what will happen, but I'm going to, oh, I can open a door for you. I can't make you walk through this door. You have to make that decision. He was basically just saying, it's an opportunity for you. You decide, uh, you know, I can't make you do this. I can't promise you anything, but here you go. Call Doc. God, uh, I was shaking like a leaf. I wasn't at that time because I'd already done some work with him. I'd already done a little business negotiation to cut a deal for what I was going to get paid to work on Kistry 2. Right. I'd, met, I'd met him before, during the convention tour. Um, I helped promote the convention tour in Chicago and then went to the convention in Minneapolis. And there I got to hang with the band. They let me come in while they were setting up. They let me run around with a microphone for the fans to ask questions to the band. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I've had close, I'd, I'd met them on the reunion tour. Cause you gotta remember, I had started Kiss Otaku in 95. That was the first Kiss website I ever saw. It was the fifth Kiss website in existence, period. Oh. I had a lot of relationship with Doc McGee's office starting right away because I'd spent a number of years working in the music industry, so I knew how to work with bands and how to do things so they would appreciate your efforts and, and stuff like that, not to piss them off, basically. Do you, do you think that your decision not to post um, you know, spoiler material or rumors was a fortuitous decision in that sense? In other words, not that they were necessarily looking over your shoulder, but um, the fact that you didn't do so was something that would bode well for you? Oh, you know, I don't know. That No one's ever said anything, but I think if anything, they might have appreciated the, the effort of somebody to say, you know what, I'm going to um, try and avoid ruining the mystery of this album. Sure. You know, because they're all about stories and mystiques and memories and 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 that that's big to them so maybe they did appreciate the effort that went into it i'm not sure they sat here and said well if he had if he had posted all of that we wouldn't work with them right, right right um you know i i tend to believe a lot of it came from the fact that i'd been working with doc mcgee's office for three years i'd actually been working with their licensing company sony signatures at the time for about a year so i i kind of knew the people that gene was working with and these people were able to probably vouch and say yeah he's a solid guy he's an upfront guy he you know he takes care of the band he does what we ask him to do yeah how soon did you take the job august mid-august here's what it comes down to with with gene and with kiss they love to work with anybody and do anything as long as somebody else pays for it <laughs> <laughs> so so it's like yes i can build kiss's website but kiss isn't going to hire me 
KISS isn't going to pay me. Somebody else has to hire me. Somebody else has to pay me. So it was a matter of figuring out who that was going to be. Was I going to work for McGee Entertainment? Was I going to work for their licensing company, Sony Signatures? That had to be worked out kind of behind the scenes for them. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 my first day on the job was, I think it was like October 17th, 98. Wow. I had actually, I had actually, on my own, I was making plans to fly out to L.A. for the Psycho Circus press conference, just to cover it for Kiss and Taku. So I was going to be in L.A. for the press conference. Doc's office basically said, well, I tell you what, why don't you come out a day early, fly into San Francisco, have a meeting with Sony Signatures, and then from there fly down to L.A. and, and, and do that stuff. So I said, sure, that's fine. Um, you know, and I flew into I flew into San Francisco, went into the conference room at Sony Signatures. Sony Signatures is a big they they've since been bought, sold and migrated. They're they're essentially right. now Live Nation merchandise. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then they were owned by Sony and they're a entertainment licensing and merchandising company. So in addition to KISS, they buy the licensed rights for artists. And that could, and they had everything from Madonna, U2, Motley Crue, Britney Spears, hundreds of artists that they basically buy the rights to the name and likeness, and and represent the artist to create um, revenue streams. Mm-hmm. And and back then it was primarily concert, selling concert T-shirts, tour books, hats, and stuff like that. But in 98, they had sold the rights to a company, to another company, to actually create Kiss Online. Right. So some, some third party had basically bought the rights to build Kiss's website. If you think about that, that's kind of interesting. So here's somebody who's paying Kiss money to build them a website. Wow. Kiss, Kiss didn't put any money out to do it. Basically, Gene's attitude was, well, if, if we're going to have a website... We need to have somebody who knows what they're doing, who knows KISS. And right. the best person out there is Mike Branville. He's a super KISS fan. He's actually had a website for three years. Go talk to him. Go get him. They, they had already set, decided they were going to hire me, but it was sort of we got to meet the guy first to make sure he's not some absolute crazy lunatic face-to-face. You know, We want to know what he's like. Nice. And it was basically just like that. I was hired and flew down to the Psycho Circus tour, or a Psycho Circus press conference. Um, so I think that was like mid-September when that happened. No, the 22nd, the album dropped, so the press conference was the 21st. I okay. believe it was the day before the album dropped. I basically then had one month after that to build some sort of website for the kickoff of the tour at Dodger Stadium. And the initial concept for Kiss Online back then if, if for for any um, internet veterans out there, it wasn't really a website. It was a dial-up ISP. Mm-hmm. Right. It competed with the likes of AOL, who was huge at that time. Everybody right. got on the internet by using AOL. You called a local phone number wherever you right. were. Right, right. Connected you to AOL, which then kind of patched you through to the internet.
This was also well, around the time when KISS was talking about doing their own KISS ISP, right? Well, that, that's what this is. That's oh, what okay. This is. All right. So KISS Online launched as an ISP. It was, I think, at the same time Megadeth launched one, and I think David Bowie also launched one. KISS ISP launched were basically, and I can't even remember the, the fees. I want to say $25, $30 a month. You paid KISS. You could then use their dial-up access to get on the Internet. Mm-hmm. No, no different than if you paid your money to AOL. Well, now you're paying it to KISS. KISS has all these numbers. But what also went along with that was we were going to build a KISS website. And there was going to be exclusive content that as a ISP member, you got to see this content that the normal people couldn't get to. Right. (laughs) In concept, that makes good sense. But I quickly realized there's no way in hell we can compete with AOL. Right. Remember back then, AOL was giving these free discs to everybody. Yeah, 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 that's right. You freaking sneeze and an AOL sign-up disc falls out your nose. And I would thank um, them for the case and throw the disc away. Exactly. And, and you know, we would only get a small number of the most diehard fans who were going to join the KISS ISP. Most fans wanted to come in to just use the website. And as, as a marketing person, I'm sitting there going, you know, we stand to make a lot more money if I can get more people into the website for free and present them with the KISS online store and all the KISS merchandise that was being sold and get their email addresses. So I want to say it was within probably six months that the whole idea of an ISP was buried. It was killed right. off. I remember and, that too because, you know, when I was 13, I didn't have a job. I was like, Mom, please, can we get this? She was like, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not paying for that. And then I remember when it became free, it was like, greatest day of the world like i finally saw it's like i finally saw a boob and i get on the kiss website it was yeah. the greatest thing <laughs> so so yeah we you know we kill it and it just basically becomes a website now you know at that point in time the internet was completely foreign to gene and paul i mean right. no clue no clue i remember gene doing an interview with the new york times back in 98 where it was talking about you know the their their new ISP their new and and their new website he's like they go so what is the what is the URL and he goes uh just go visit kiss.com online and, you know uh. and that's what they printed and I remember telling Gene I'm like Gene the URL kissonline.com you have to know that you have to know that you have to know that this this was also around the time where he would say that uh, fans can use their internet typewriters to get online. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, but there was. It, I remember there was. There was very little uh, archival stuff on there. There was, uh, and then I found out later it was your stuff, Mike. The yeah. pictures oh, from yeah. the from the Dynasty in store that was there. But I, I, as a kid, I didn't know. I was like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> that that well, that's exactly what I did. Is because I, you know, they did again. They didn't open up the archives to me, so I used my own collection of photos and newspaper scans and and at the same time opened it up to the fans saying if you've got stuff send it to us and we'll post it so quite honestly kiss online was built by the fans yeah because so many fans shared their 
memories, their their collections, their archives that we we made that the the base of Kiss Online, which is what I basically wanted because I remember when I started Kiss Otaku, it was all about I want to see what is being released in Brazil that I as somebody in Chicago could never see. Now that the internet is here, that one fan in Brazil or that one fan in Japan can send in that ad. Isn't that the coolest thing in the world to be able to see that? So that was kind of the driving factor behind it. And, and uh, you know, it just, again, it kept growing and growing because, uh, because I just reached out and let the fans add more and more to this. It was great because the band wasn't sitting here going, well, you got to take that down. You got to can't do this. You can't do that. It was just do whatever you want. We were selling a boatload of merchandise online. Yeah, I was going to say this must have been a great time to, to get involved in any of that stuff because it was such a, a high point in terms of Kiss's popularity, the merchandising, the tour, the, the sales of, uh, of products, uh, Spencer's, uh, you know, uh, the comics, the action figures up and down. Yeah, it was. You know, it was sort of like for me as a fan, especially because I was working in the office of their merchandising company, I was privy to see a lot of the merchandise as it was being developed and created and discussed. Um, prototypes, you know, they would come and ask me as the resident Kiss Geek, what do you think of this? It was sort of like going behind the the curtain in The Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Nice. I got I got to go back there and see what was really happening. Now, some fans that might be a bit of a disappointment and a letdown because it's not necessarily what you might think it is. It's all business. It's a hundred percent business. It's you know they're doing this to make money. But I have always been intrigued by the music business. So, you know, like where I started off saying, I don't care about the notes being played, who's playing the guitar. I'm more interested in the deals that are happening and what's happening to make that band and, and, and the, all, all, all of the business surrounding it interests me so much more than who played guitar. You may or may not have been around for the business of, of the album, right? Because that's, I think, that one was, of that the... Was, that was done, finished right. in the can. My first official KISS event was basically Dodger Stadium. Right.
me ask Ken. Yes. You, what was your take on that era? And I know that you know. I know. I know how old you were, so we don't have to you know drag you uh, through that, Methuselah. But yes, let's hear um, where you were at. Kiss was back, and all was right with the world. As far as who played what, you know, I believed uh, in the 70s when 16 Magazine told me that Ace played on this or Peter played on that, that they did. You know, at, at that time, you know, when, when that album came out, I remember I had to work and I asked if I could leave work and they said no. And so I called up my cousin and, and his wife went and bought two copies for us. There was me and another guy that were just uh, absolutely kiss crazy. We had Kiss delivered to us. And the rest of the day, I don't remember doing a stitch of work. They should have just let me go and done my thing because I, honest to God, don't remember doing anything else but sitting there and clicking buttons and listening to Kiss on headphones. It was fantastic. And it was great. And Andrew really touched on something there that around that time, it was a Kiss world and you had all the stuff on Fox and, you know, it it was entertainment tonight. It was everything. It was all over the place. Every there was, every newsstand had Kiss magazines. It was yeah. a great time. And I've I in in going along with what uh, Mike said. I'm not one of these guys that, you know, when I was 13 years old, going, well, that's definitely Peter Chris. That's definitely not Peter Chris. You know, at that time, like I said, we 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 went with what the magazines were telling us, and mm-hmm. later. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm I I know my way around a guitar a bit, and you know I played in bands, and and I I know what it, you can you can pick out someone's style, but mm-hmm. at the time I thought that that was Kiss, but I also thought I heard Bruce a little bit, so <laughs> you know it was kind of strange. So so that was that was kind of bizarre. The thing I want to ask you, uh, Mike, is what was it like when you started to realize? Was was it due to fan reaction, or when did you become aware that that was not those four guys doing everything on that album? You know, nobody sat down, nobody as in Kiss, mm-hmm. sat down with me and said, Mike, um, here's what happened, and you, you have to follow this script, and you have to follow this story, and do not say... You know, I, I don't recall in the almost eight years of officially working with them... Um, ever being told here's the story you have to stick to mm-hmm. and and I think that might surprise a lot of people who think that's what goes on um, you know it was just the rumors kept coming up fans saying this isn't them on that album and they wouldn't they would not address the questions frankly at that point who am I to pressure them push mm-hmm. them that they have to answer this because mm-hmm. My my attitude was I'm running Kiss Online, but basically I'm running it and I'm speaking as Kiss. So I can't be on Kiss Online as Mike Brandvold. Right. I am speaking. If I post something on Kiss Online, it is being perceived as coming out of the mouth of Kiss. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless they are saying something, I'm not going to say anything different. Right. If that if that makes sense. So is that sure. towing the if that is that towing the company line? You work for the company, of course it is. Yeah, you work for the company, and that's no different than any company you might work for now. Look, I I heard the album, and I knew the first time. I can't shut that off for me. If I hear it, and it doesn't sound like something, it does. It does or doesn't sound like what it is. You know what I mean? Right. I can I can hear the stylistic differences when Ace plays versus when Tommy plays, and and 
Although I, I, you know, I still convinced myself, and I am still convinced to this day that there may be more of the the Ace and Peter on there than than we hear about. It didn't sound like them when I heard things like Within. But I'll tell you, I appreciate the party line because for my brother, it was important that that's his Kiss record. Right. And I wasn't about. I mean, you know, he he knew just because I was such a mega fan. He he knew, and we talked about you know the history and people playing on this and that, but. You know, the, at the end of the day, it was really those four guys singing on that record. They certainly do play on some of it, right. and that was all that mattered. He yep. needed he needed the rest to be a party, and it was a party. Let's be honest. Let's look back over history, yes. all the way back to basically Destroyers, the mm-hmm. first known time that somebody in the band didn't play on it. And frankly, it might have happened before then, and 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 I wouldn't be surprised that they just don't remember it. Does Destroyer? Does Dynasty, does Creatures of the Night, do, do those albums suck now that you know who did and didn't? Do the, does it change the songs to you? No. And, and for me, I can say not one freaking bit. It doesn't change any of those songs to know that that's not Peter on the drums, that's not Ace on the guitar, that, that, that that's not Eric Carr, that that's not Gene Simmons. It changes it zero for me because at the end of the day, I'm listening to a Kiss song, and I love the song. That's right. all that matters. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Okay. And and this now we get down to the nitty gritty. I think about this record because <laughs> for Creatures, for Unmasked, for Dynasty, whatever Destroyer, it doesn't change it for me. For Psycho I, Circus, I, it, I know exactly it, where you're going with this, Gary, too, because they yeah. build it as the Mm-hmm. biggest reunion record of all time this is the four back in makeup and then you listen to it and you're like wait a minute that's why I was kind of pissed because they told me for months and months promoting this album this was the four they're back in makeup they're the four of them playing on this album I listened right. to the press conference Ace is telling us it was great we got to sit down and work together again so I'm like cool and then I play the album and I'm like what that's that's not yeah, Ace but, and Peter. but would would you have rather they told the truth in a way maybe would I mean, you have it, rather them sat at the press conference and said you know what this album blows because <laughs> we couldn't get along i don't play on any of it how much more i frankly how much more pissed upset and disappointed would you be if that was what was told to you right over and over again than them just trying to keep peace well it's an interesting thing because i was thinking about this sort of before we sat down to talk, I was thinking about this uh, yesterday and today. Um, and I was thinking about the fact that if it had been the four of them and it had been this kind of cohesive um, team effort, it would be all the more bittersweet to have had things dissolve in the band soon thereafter. Because mm-hmm. had it been something, you know, had, it, had it been this real gem of, of creative juices, you know, blending together and everything, uh, we would just want more and more and more. I think what what made it sort of hard, I think, was that unlike, uh, I mean, it, it sort of to, to build on what Andrew was saying, unlike other Kiss records, not only was it um, promoted as this big reunion comeback collaboration, but the content of the lyrics and, and the, the storyline, the theme of, of the whole thing was about that as well. I mean, from the title track to You Wanted the Best to to all of it. It was um, almost like a concept album about yes. the band coming back together. And well, the you fans. know what? It, 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 it actually is 
um, a very loose concept album. I interviewed Bruce Fairburn when I was working at Kiss Online, and I don't have the interview anymore. And it was an audio interview. After I left Kiss Online, they went to new web developers, and they literally deleted like six years worth of content. Isn't that insane? I I know what you're talking about, Mike. I remember that. I, you know, I sat down with Bruce and I asked him song by song and talked about stuff. And I remember saying, well, you know, this really feels like a loose concept album from start to finish about the band's relationship with their fans. And he said, yes. You know, and, and what kind of surprised me is that's never come out in any interviews or any discussions anywhere else. Nobody's ever, nobody as in the band or anybody officially related to the band has basically said that Psycho Circus has an underlying weak um, concept running through it. And, and, you know, I almost wonder if that's because concept is a very, very dirty term in the KISS world. Yeah, it's a, sure. it's a, it's, it's a scary term, but in the same sense, I also feel, and I don't know if you've ever heard me blather on about this before, but I feel that uh, Destroyer is a concept album yes. about the band and its fans. Yes. And when they talk about, you know, Psycho Circus as a return to Destroyer, I think that for once they were actually getting somewhere with that analogy because they were mining the same thought behind the album, if not the same results. And Gary, you know, you were you were mentioning something about how you could just hear that something was different. Keep in mind, if you're a fan who heard the first three Kiss albums and Alive, and then you put Destroyer on? <laughs> yeah. That sounded a lot more than Bruce Kulick playing on something. You know what I mean? It was it was a much more radical departure. It was an extremely okay, but, radical departure. Okay. Yes. So yes. so we as KISS but, but, fans but, but, have but had to uh, suffer or enjoy, depending on how you go through it, with different sounds and different incarnations. And I, I for one, thank God, because as much as I love ACDC... I like something different than a double cheeseburger occasionally. So I'm glad that we have the mix-up in sounds and sights and smells of Kiss. No, so I, there you I go. agree with you, and I think, but I, but I think the difference is, look, you, when you listen to something like Destroyer, mm-hmm. it's it's a no-brainer that those guys aren't playing the violins, right? I mean, we know that, right. okay? But I, but I I listen as a 12-year-old Kiss fan, I don't know that. Right, That's there fair. you I go. I mean, I, honest to God, remember back in the 70s thinking Kiss wore makeup. When in they the recorded. studio. Why, why wouldn't they wear their makeup in right. the studio? Right, right. And then to add to that, they released those pictures of them when of they them were recording in with the... the studio uh, wearing makeup. Yeah. Yeah, with, with yeah, the choir I mean, for so, great expectations. They're near the costume. I mean, like they, right. you know, right, looking Andrew, back yeah. now in the shoes we are in, it, it, it all makes complete sense. Right. But, you know, I say this to so many fans... Stop looking at what's happening through the eyes of a 40 or 50 year old. Look at it through the eyes of a brand new young fan who doesn't know anything. They're just excited by the moment, the sound, the the music, you know, what's happening. That's what excites them. You're not, you know, as a, as a, as a fan in 76, when I got Rock and Roll Over as my very first album, mm-hmm. I did not for one minute sit here and think about who was playing it and the sounds. I was just like eyes popping out of my head going, oh my God, this is the freaking most amazing thing in the world. 
mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're just, your senses were exploding. Right. I, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned senses exploding too, because I was going to mention when the very first time I heard the song Psycho Circus. And like I mentioned earlier, this was, I had just gotten on the internet. I was just starting to read about, you know, all the inner workings of Kiss. So I really had a really naive knowledge of the whole band. And, and also, too, I was 13. So what, what was I going to understand at 13? And I remember, and Gary, you might remember this too because you're an East Coast guy. I remember the, uh, New, there, was a radio station in, there was a radio station in New Jersey. Yep. yep. 95.9 the, the Rat. The Rat, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And they aired Psycho Circus. And I guess they weren't supposed to because the single hadn't went to radio yet. Or they weren't supposed to air this, but they did. And I remember listening to that and I was like, oh my God, it's happening. There's another Kiss album coming out and I'm alive for it. I'm here for it. And I remember once I heard that, that's when it sent me into complete overdrive. I had to find out everything about this. I had to go to all different websites. I had to, I had to you know, find out. And, and I don't remember ever doing this for any other album except for this one. But when I found out that this single was going to be released to radio, in my naive mind, I thought that meant that the CD single was going to be on sale the same day. Mm. So I remember I went scouring, looking for this CD single didn't exist anywhere because you know you guys remember when the cd single finally materialized it was the cd single within your face and the 3d video right, that came right. with it and that came out after the album had come out but i remember this must this must have been i don't know late august maybe even early september because the album didn't come out until late september but i remember looking for that you know before right. i had gone to school before i had started eighth grade looking for this CD and everyone thought I was nuts because like, yeah, it doesn't come out for the month. But I thought <laughs> that since the single was out, I was going to be able to pick up that new Kiss CD single and I wasn't. I was so disappointed. The first time I heard the Psycho Circus uh, song, we were driving, uh, me and my girlfriend at the time, we were, we were driving uh, back from Warren, Ohio and we were listening to 93.3 The Wolf. And they said, coming up, the new Kiss song, Psycho Circus. And we pulled off, and there was this, like, ice cream kind of place, you know, where you get shakes and ice cream and stuff like that. And we sat there in that parking lot, and my girlfriend thought I was crazy, but I was just like, this is it, this is it, this is Kiss, finally. It's happening. Yes, this is happening. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And then... You know, and, and, and all that stuff that you guys are talking about right there, to me, that is what is the absolute most important thing about psycho circus or any kiss record or kiss mm-hmm. it's that that excitement that moment it's you know i try so hard not to get wrapped up in all right it's coming on it's gonna be the first time but now let me analyze it while i'm doing no just give into the moment and just enjoy that freaking excitement of hearing a new kiss tune again mm-hmm. you can you can analyze it all you want later but don't ruin that first oh, moment yeah. don't ru- destroy that you know uh, you know my 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 first very viv- vivid kiss album memory is creatures of the night of buying that album and going home and turning the lights off in my bedroom putting headphones on and dropping the needle on the vinyl and listening to it track by track while i just stared at the album cover you know, I was I wasn't analyzing the solos. I wasn't I wasn't even paying attention to the lyrics. I was just, you know, if you could physically absorb an album, that's what I was trying to do. 
I, you right. know, I remember because it was one of the first albums that you didn't see the new costumes. Right. Yeah, you're right. And, and, but you knew they had new costumes because that was their history. New right. album, new costume. Right. So I'm looking at this cover going, oh, how can I figure out what the new costume is? Like, wait a second. <laughs> Look at that necklace that Paul is wearing. I can see <laughs> right. just a little bit of that necklace. Oh, my. What, is, what could that mean? That's what I was uh, trying to suck in and absorb. You know, to me, that is the thrill of of kiss oh and, for sure and, and you know and i and i think in the days now of the internet and everything else that gets so lost especially as as we become older fans mm-hmm. that's just lost because now we are immediately well first of all we immediately question everything right you know and and getting back to psycho circus i could guarantee you that if the band had truly recorded this with the original members and said it was recorded with the original members, there would have been fans who said, you're lying to us. Right. You're right. You're right. So at that point, you know, they're, they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. So just do what you want to do because you're going to get screwed either way. Right. True. And it's gotten worse since Psycho Circus. I mean, we right. all know oh, that. I mean, not now, you know, I, I remember, I mean, the, the, the new Japanese single just oh. came out, you know, last this, this week. And um, before the actual song leak, there was the 45-second video teaser. Mm-hmm. And fans were listening, 45 seconds total video. And of that is probably 20 seconds of song. Mm-hmm. Right. And fans are listening to that 20 seconds analyzing it and determining that the song sucks i'm just like what <laughs> 20 seconds you haven't even heard the entire song well this and actually you're already telling us what's good bad right wrong and how it should have been done differently Absolutely. i'm just like drop it <laughs> you know wait until the full song comes out just listen to the music this leads us to pretty much the end of our 1998 discussion, and I have three quick lightning round topics I want to bring you. <laughs> the uh, the uh, number one topic is the new Kiss Japanese song, if you will. Number two, 1998, what would you have done different? The last thing is I came upon this quote today, and I thought it was really good. It is, band, quote unquote, is too small a word for Kiss. Mm. So Gary, I'm going to start with you. What would you do different in 1998 if you were the band? That, that's a, that's an important question. It's an interesting question too. You know, I Mike makes a really good point. You know, which is stop analyzing things and just experience them. And I think uh, I think we all would agree that songs like Psycho Circus just blew our minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, hearing that, I, I I heard that on the radio on on the Rat, like you did, Andrew, and it just blew my mind. For me, that was a passive experience. I I. I wish I could have self-edited in a way. I wish I could have not heard other players on the album. And, and I didn't have an option. It, it, it just happened. But I guess what I wish had been done differently, maybe. A few months after the record came out, they also released a double CD version with, a, with some six live tracks on it, including three from Psycho Circus. It was the title track, it was uh, Into the Void, and then mm-hmm. it was Within. Right. And, yeah, those... Uh, Within, in particular, sounded markedly different from what was on the album because it, well, because it wasn't the same people playing it. But there's something very bittersweet about that uh, live EP 
because it sounds really good and it makes you think, gee, they could have done it. You know, they mm-hmm. could have gotten it together just for 10 songs. And um, I guess at the time it wouldn't have mattered, but looking back now, I think I would, I would approach the record um, with a greater fondness and perhaps even a, a, a bit more sorrow knowing that they did get it together and wishing there could be more. Um, God, that sounded like a Wicked Lester song. A bit more sorrow, doesn't it? With flu- <laughs> Yeah, you, I gotta get the flutes in there and the bongos. Yeah, a bit um, more sorrow. On the other hand, I'm, I, I, I guess it, it, I wouldn't change a thing because for what it's worth, I think part of what has been so great about things like Sonic Boom and Monster is that they are the collaborative uh, Kiss records, you know, really cohesive band efforts that I wish could have come out of that reunion era. I just had to wait longer for them, and they don't have the full original lineup on it. But I appreciate, um, I mean, just as much as I do appreciate Creatures, in spite of it being disjointed and having session players, studio musicians, or what have you, I also appreciate when Kiss as a band goes in and create something together as they have with these last two records and mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I, I think the Psycho Circus era in general is something that I will always hold dear to my heart. Taking my brother at age 11 to his first KISS concert, mm-hmm. uh, Meadowlands Arena, 1998. Um, what the a laser incident was that night. The laser incident was that, the laser pointer, right. What a breathtaking experience for him. For me, they were great that night. It was, they were bigger than a band. And uh, for Brian to have his first Kiss concert be uh, the original lineup, Meadowlands Arena, brand new album, huge stage show, 3D, you name it. It was, uh, that remains my favorite Kiss concert memory, and it's a night I'll never forget. I'm going to insert that clip here. Uh, Of course, we have to be careful inserting that clip, because Paul might shove it up your ass. So anyway. Shove that laser up your ass. Take it off. Peter's not talking to everybody here. I'll make it clear what he's trying to say. Most of you people here are awesome. Look at girls like that right over there. Put the lights on that girl. Hey, baby. What? Oh, man, you people have been looking nuts and you're awesome. I want you to tell, I want to tell y'all something. In every crowd, there's one or two people who just don't belong here. Now, if there's to school tomorrow when you go to sixth grade, but leave it home when you go to shows. Now for the rest of you people, all night you've been looking at us in 3D. Michael, your thoughts. 1998, what would you have liked to seen done different, or what would you have done different if you were the band? I wish they would have done a different MTV video for Psycho Circus. The 3D mm. video they released yes. was the absolute biggest piece of crap. I wish they would have just done a live, a straight-up live performance video showing Kiss in concert and how freaking huge and amazing they were. And then the other thing is the tour. I think the tour was a huge letdown. Mm. There was all of this great hype that this is a psycho circus. We're going to have all these stage performers and all this stuff is going to be going on in the arena around the show. That never happened. It happened a little bit at Dodger Stadium and then 
it never happened on the tour. So, you know, a lot of people <coughs> might say get rid of the 3D effect. Uh, you know, it was an, it was a gimmick. It was an effect. You know, it was when Motley Crue came out and did their reunion tour with mm-hmm. the Carnival of Sins. Yes, that's what Psycho Circus should have looked yeah. like. I'm glad you mentioned that because I completely agree. I was working for Motley Crue at that time, doing doing their their website and their ticketing, and I remember going to that very first show down. Their first show for that tour was in Puerto Rico, and I walked into the arena the day before, and I saw that, and I was like, I stood back, their jaw dropped, and I was like, holy. Crap! This is what they just—they just blew Kiss away with this. Basically, took their concept and fleshed it out and made it real. Yeah, I mean the the the, the Kiss stage for Psycho Circus was very anemic. It was very mm. bland. Um, there was nothing Psycho and there was nothing Circus. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Right. Well, the amps were in circles. That's that's well, there. You go. That's circle, not circus. <laughs> yes. oh, psycho circle. Psycho circle. Yeah, that it's not the psycho circle tour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andrew, 1998. What would you have done different, or like to had seen? You know, I wouldn't have done anything differently because remember, this is I'm 13 years old at the time, and this is my first experience to kiss. Now, it you know, the reunion like, tour was something totally different. It was them cash gun and nostalgia but this was the first time i was able to experience something new involving kiss ever so i remember you know trying to log on to the pepsi website to try to hear you know the live stream of the dodger stadium show couldn't do it on dial up right i remember turning into mad tv you know watching that and then watching the ultimate halloween party later on i remember getting up really early to try to get tickets to that very same Meadowland show that gary got tickets to wasn't able to get tickets to that, but I did get tickets to two nights later or one night later at the Garden where they were presented with the gold albums for Psycho Circus. Mm. And, I, and I also remember logging on to Kiss Online and I remember looking at all the pictures that Mike took, the backstage pictures of them setting up the stage, the pictures of the show, and I thought that was the perfect accompaniment to the concert I had seen you know, a couple of weeks prior. Right. So I wouldn't have changed anything because to me, it, it was such a magical time. And it was before I knew any better about who liked who and who was in the band and who played this and who did that. I just remember if I could take if I could take a snapshot of my KISS fandom, it would be me sitting on the floor in Madison Square Garden, opening up the Psycho Circus tour book and just flipping through the pages before KISS had gone on and I was just I was the happiest I had ever been. If someone were to say, what's the happiest you've ever been, or what's your greatest childhood memory, it's that night. Being in Madison Square Garden, this is Kiss's hometown. Granted, they didn't live in New York at the time, but they were from New York, and this is what they've always wanted to play. And I saw Ace, Peter, Gene, and Paul on that very stage. And I was 13. I didn't understand. I didn't understand it at that time, but looking back, I'm like, Man, I was a lucky kid mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And I was, I freaking loved it. I still got a piece of confetti I got from the night of the show. I loved everything about Kiss in 1998. Everything. That, that, that Garden show was absolutely magical. I was there too. And it was just like, it was something else. It was like being in the biggest party you'd ever been to with, you know, with just like a bunch of your best friend strangers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and I remember this too. I remember um, I would always try to get an event shirt wherever I, I saw Kiss because they would always print a special event shirts or whatever. And I remember I got the event shirt for the Psycho Circus show and it had like a naked girl on the back of it. 
And I was like, <laughs> my mom's not going to let me have this. Can I have another shirt, please? <laughs> you know, it's... So I never got a shirt from the garden. I totally dig where you're coming from, Andrew, on that, because it would be like asking, you know, a 13-year-old me, what would you have changed about 76 or 77? Yeah. I totally agree with that. Okay, so the new Kiss song, Kiss versus Maumori Clover Z. Michael, what are your thoughts on the track? Um, you know, first listen. Samurai Sun. I like it. it. I love the music. It, The vocals, the lyrics... Still kind of trying to come to grips with them. I love the music. I love the production. It sounds it sounds like it had a producer. and mm-hmm. But it looks like from the video that it was basically produced by Paul and Greg Collins, the yeah. same team that did Sonic Boom and Monster. But it sounds better. You know, and... and that was my big problem with the last two albums is they didn't sound professionally produced. This single sounds professionally produced. Hmm. I like that a lot. That's good. Makes um, you want more, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. More Kiss is better. Well, definitely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sitting here getting wrapped up in why are they collaborating with some J-pop group of five girls and this is the disgrace and they've jumped the shark. Come on. If you've been a Kiss fan for yeah. more than ten years... This should not surprise you in the least. I mean, right. I've been I've been around since 76 with these guys. If you want to say they've jumped the shark, they've jumped the shark so many times. <laughs> they don't care. Kiss jumped the shark before Jaws came out. Yeah. Let's yeah, be honest. I'll tell you what. Should, it should time. be. Did, did, did you jump Kiss is what the term should be. Kiss right? is the shark. So, you know, don't don't worry about that. I mean, if anything else, that to me is always one of the coolest things about KISS is anything is possible and they will not follow any rules set by anybody. Andrew? All right, granted, KISS is not trying to sell an inordinate amount of records anymore, but this J-pop group, I bet you they're still probably trying to sell some records. So if they're on stage playing this song with KISS... Probably gonna make some Japanese fans buy the record, right? So that I kind of, I'm still at the scratching my head phase of this because Kiss is a rock band. So when I heard this, I was like, uh, what? <laughs> uh, Podcast listener CW18 said that it sounded like Berlin's The Metro. Mm-hmm. I thought that was awesome. Uh, Gary, your thoughts? I love it. I think it's great. I look. I. It, this is a this is the band that defeated Doctor Doom. That's true. And put their blood That's in the true. comic book. You know, this is the band that each you know it's each sold separately from Mego. And, and Doctor uh, Doom has never been the same. I just want to put that out there. No, he's still walking with a limp. Yeah. Um, now you know, I, I think it's great. I, the coolest conversations that I've ever had get gotten to have with, uh, you know, with Gene. The very few fleeting times that I've I've spoken with him are the ones where we geek out. And I know he's a fan, and I know Paul's also a fan. He doesn't talk as much about comics and things, you know, cartoons and comics and sci-fi, but he's, he knows that shit well, too. I mean, he, he, he follows it less than Gene, but he, he's a fan, too. And uh, this is them geeking out. Uh, this is them being cartoon characters. They did it around the Psycho Circus era with uh, Kiss Immortals, and um, they are a larger-than-life sci-fi superhero rock band. And uh, walking, exploding, vomiting. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, and uh, I, I think I also like pop music. I mean, that's the other thing. I, I, 
maybe it's the Beatles thing, but I, I like pop music. I think uh -huh. this is catchy. It looks cool. It sounds cool. Bring it on. Well, it's it's not my cup of tea per se, but then I've only heard it like three times. So who knows? Anything can grow on you. I just hope that there's a new Kiss album somewhere because I like Kiss. Yeah. Uh, our last thing is today, I saw a drawing for the very first time ever, uh, a Neil Adams drawing, a rendering of Neil Adams drawing Kiss. And Wait, somebody... an actual Neil Adams drawing? Or yes. someone drawing in the style of Neil Adams? No, an actual Neil Adams drawing from back in the day that was their uh, Dynasty Unmasked kind of costume. Get out of here. No, I'm serious. I'll send you a link. And one guy got really upset. Why would Neil Adams practically make deities of these guys you know and someone said kiss is not just a band that band is too small a word for kiss and i thought damn that's pretty amazing that that to me kind of sums up kiss thoughts on that quote michael branville i would agree for me at my age now and where kiss is today this won't apply nearly as much mm -hmm. but especially during the 70s these guys were truly the only real superheroes on the planet. Superman, as much as you knew he was in comic books and loved him, you knew there was not a real Superman out there. Right. You knew there was not a real Batman out there. Gene Simmons, that's a real superhero. That's real. He's real on stage. That is a person. That is, that is a character. So, you know... They they are much bigger than a band. They've they've crossed that line. They were able to literally make themselves into real superheroes for kids. Mm -hmm. I mean that that that's really when you think about that concept right there, that's pretty a, a pretty massive um, undertaking and success for them. So, Ken, I just got the link yeah. that you sent over. Yes. Does anybody recognize these? Do you recognize where these drawings are from, Ken? No. They are from the Rub and Play that came out in 1979. The Rub and Tug? The, well, the Rub and Play. <laughs> oh. I wonder if he actually did the Rub and Plays from 79. They may have a box handy, but that's what these are from. These, The Ace, hmm. the Gene, and the Peter are definitely from the, uh, the Rub and Plays. Wow. 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 Amazing. You know, that and the Viewmaster and the color forms were so cool. Love that stuff. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just that, like, that, I don't... That, that's what was always so cool about it to me as a kid. It's like, I could sit here and have the color forms, and I can listen to their music, but I could also go see them in person in concert. Right, right. right. Them, not, not somebody coming to town playing them for the, the grand opening of the local dealership. Mm -hmm. right. you know? Them. That was just kind of a, a, a mind trip for me at least yes absolutely yeah Holy now there shit. are there were eight pieces in the rub and play so i mean there were there were more pieces than that but that's the one that i found that is just like the drawing that's wild man wow that's crazy save photo yeah definitely save photo yeah then i'm gonna look at the other one i'm gonna try to look at them side by side wow that's crazy yeah i wonder what he did that for destroy kiss it says that's wow, amazing. I wonder if they were, you know, I wonder if they were planning another another comic or something. Could be. You know? This looks like it might have been the poster for it, you know. Right. Oh man. What is that? You know, I love Super Kiss. I love this 79 80 era. 
Have we done I, a super? Have we done a super case show? Maybe that's one we should. Oh, we talked about Dynasty and Unmasked, uh, but you know, I'm I'm down with. Wait, now I'm looking to see if, if indeed these are the same. They look like the same poses. I don't know if it's the same artist. If that makes any sense. No, it, what, you think it's a copycat artist? No, I'm thinking that it might, because Neil had a studio. He might have done this pencil, and someone else might have inked it and killed the Neil. If that makes any sense. Right. No, right. no, you're right, because the Paul, the Paul is definitely different. Um, but you look at the Gene, and the Peter, and, right. and the Ace. Yeah. Well, Paul, but it's, Paul's... it's so cool. It's it's so cool. I'd never seen. Yeah. Neil Adams draw kiss before, and that's like. Wow, one of my favorite. It almost you know. looks like they get the villain from uh, Kiss Comic Two, a little bit. Well, I want to take this moment and thank you for being on our show today, Michael. Uh, you want to plug? There's, 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 there's some sort of show that you do, some sort of <laughs> internet broadcasting yeah, we, thing. Yeah, I've got this other another Kiss podcast. I'm trying to get off the ground. And um, what's it called? <laughs> it's called Three. Sides of the coin. Oh. You can go to three sides of the coin.com or facebook.com slash three sides of the coin. We've got a few shows. We haven't been around for eight years. <laughs> yeah, but listen, I'm not even sure I, we have, but we've been here. I, but, don't like uh, th- I don't like the original members of three sides. This new guy, come on, who are you trying to fool? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Mark is our Vinny Vincent, okay? <laughs> Ouch. Mark's actually a really close friend us. of mine. Came in to save you. Well, there you go. I don't like to use podcasts anymore because I think podcasts um, to the to a lot of people they don't know what that means. It's just a talk show. You know, you can find us on iTunes and on YouTube and Stitcher and Spreaker and everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so we just talk about Kiss every week. It's amazing that there still is stuff to talk about. I mean, I think we were just joking about that in in one of our last episodes. It's like. 108 weeks we've been doing this and we haven't run out of stuff to talk about yet i know it's amazing there's if you would have told us that we'd still be doing this you know eight years down the road we would have there's no way we we would never have imagined it but here we are still doing it well one thing i want to say to you michael is that there's a big world of kiss podcasting out there and we're a big brotherhood and I wanted to say this early on when you first started, but welcome to the to the show. Welcome to the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show. Yeah. You you probably market yourself much better than we ever will, but uh Are you kidding? They have guitar picks. I got one. That's true. They have guitar picks. I got a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. We have we, limited edition. I wonder where I learn all this from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. The Gene Simmons School of Marketing, maybe? Mm-hmm. It's not the Vinnie Vincent School of Marketing? No, that would be send me $500 and then I will not send you a guitar pick. Well, once again, we want to thank you for being on the show. And thank you, Andrew, for joining us as well. We'll see you on the next episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening, guys. Right on. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, 
Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, thank you for listening to Podcast, the KISS fanzine for your ears. Shut that laser up your ass, Cook.